Hey, just want to take a quick break from this episode so I could tell you guys about how I just launched my new Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's a great way for people to support creators with a monthly subscription. Becoming a Patreon supporter can even come with a few perks, like early access to new episodes and getting special shoutouts on the podcast. I've recently started working part-time at my job so I can focus more time and energy on the podcast and YouTube channel. So any support would be massively appreciated, and it helps me towards my hope of making this my full-time job someday. So if you want to help support me in that, please head over to patreon.com slash hooptheory. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hooptheory. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to the Rashid Wallace episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, aka episode 36. My name is Logan Wortman, and joining me as he does every Sunday is my good friend Jacob Roth. Jacob, how's it going? It's going fantastic. Yeah? How, how do you feel about episode 36 not being Marcus Smart? We'll hit it for 136. I feel like it's okay. Yeah. Um, well, I've said before that I will cry both tears of joy out of one eye and sorrow out of the other the day that Marcus Smart is no longer a Celtic, whether it be via trade or retirement. Um, mm. But then game seven, or game six of the Philadelphia-Boston series happened, and people just kind of forgot that Marcus Smart was like 40% of the reason we won that game. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it's okay that Marcus Smart wasn't a big old 3-6. But someday, maybe if we get to like... How many, okay, so how many 36s are ahead of him, do you think? I feel like it's probably only Rashid Wallace that I'd put ahead of him, for sure. Like, I feel like it's hard to believe that Marcus Smart, technically Shaq wore 36. Yeah, but he's not known for 36, really. Like, he's he's 34. Oh, David Cowens. Or, yeah, Dave Cowens is in there, but I don't, again, I don't know, that's a caveat, though, also. Paul Silas? Paul Silas is also a caveat, and we already did him for episode 29. Rasheed Wallace only wore 36 for four years. Oh, I guess so. But that's the only one I really think of when I think of Rasheed Wallace because of the Pistons. Yeah. Yeah, so shout out to Marcus Marr for being episode 136 already. It's going to get difficult to like 97 because it'll be like some guy that nobody knows, but... I don't know if there will be one for, for a few like that. Well, 77 has a guy. 47 yeah. is an undisputed. If you pick anybody oh, for yeah. 47 that is not the man, uh-huh. then I will cry. But anyway, uh, this was a lot of talk about completely unrelated topics, but that's what you people come here for. Yeah. Continuing to talk about unrelated topics, uh, th- there was something last episode that we talked about that I noticed more of while I was editing. And I figured we should probably just have an intervention here on this episode. We'll say something ab- wrong about how you say the season number, like the the year that it is. Like for an example, what like what would you say our senior year of high school was? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, because that was the year we graduated. So it was sixteen seventeen, but you'd still say it was the year twenty seventeen, right? Yeah. <laughs> but so then with basketball, with all the NBA years, the, you said yeah, the majority of the season is is the second one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny because after after we talked about the 08-09 one, we went back and forth on it. Then 
like immediately the next years you kept saying were all you were all still saying it your way and i just assumed you weren't i assumed that you were changing it well then why does but why does basketball reference even list both the years then I, I don't know who decided that's how they list the seasons, but like that's how most places like when they show up, the, this is the official season. It's the 77, 78 year. But like when people just say, oh, like the 78 championship. Yeah. Like this right now we're in the 2023 playoffs, you know, um, even though this is 22, 23. Yeah. So we can get it. We'll probably get into this later. We, not probably. Secret. I know what we're getting into, and this will be on the docket, so I will wait until it gets brought up then. <laughs> okay. All right. So with that, we'll jump into our first topic of the day, which is uh, that Eastern Conference Finals that Jacob, uh, right when he jumped on the call today, was pretty salty about. I said and, I'm depressed. Yeah. So even more than just salty, he is clinically depressed. Uh, <laughs> so I'm just going to give the floor to Jacob. This is his therapy session. Uh, about the Easter Conference Finals. Okay, for all the stupid people to go, Grant Williams turned on Jimmy Butler. Okay, whatever, sure. Let's say Jimmy Butler decided I'm not going to be the Jimmy Butler I've been the past 10 games in the playoffs just tonight, and I had to wait for Grant Williams to give me that chip on my shoulder. Okay, no no one's throwing shade at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for just not having any points in the fourth quarter. They're going full Ben Simmons mode. They don't have any field goals in the fourth quarter in games one or two. Huh? Did you Both think of you, them? Neither of them. They haven't scored wow. in the fourth quarter. I didn't okay, know Jaylen that. Brown might have... Okay, now I'm getting... Now I'm going I'm to get fact-checked by some random dude that's sitting in front of the numbers, but I know for a fact game two, neither of them scored a field goal in the fourth quarter, and I don't think either of them did in game one. I could be wrong on that one, but hmm. either way... Shout out to them for disappearing for, like, the biggest 24 minutes of the season. Sick, bro. <laughs> That's just so... And then we're going to go down to Miami, and we're going to go down 3-0 to... No, no. We're going to go 2-1. We're going to get the one game, and then Jimmy Butler's going to go nuclear in game four, and then somehow they're going to play with my emotions, and they're going to get us to a game seven in Boston, and then we're going to lose, and Jimmy Butler's going to go, this is my city, and then I'm going to just cry. <laughs> wow. That was a lot of emotion that just ended that, that see, spiel right there. See, what's going to be funny is when that's right. When that's mm-hmm. exactly what happens. Boston gets game three, loses game four, and is down 3-1. Then they fight. They fight to game seven, and then Jimmy Butler goes off for 69 points. <laughs> what if it's a sweep? What I would, you do? would prefer that. Yeah? Yeah, I so would totally prefer that. Save you the pain? Yeah, save me the pain. I wouldn't have to, like, yeah, that's ideal. That's totally ideal. Sweet. Mm. Send, me, send me home. But don't fire Joe Missoula, stupid people. Guess what? He's 34 years old. Him and Al Horford could have been born at the same time in the same hospital. Like, it's... Like, let the man chill. He's figuring things out. We got a guy that is... Literally was our third option. Mm -hmm. Some might say fourth option because some people wanted Brad Stevens to be like, hey, you should be coaching him. That's true. (laughs) But I don't want that because then we'd have the same problem, but then people would want him to be gone as GM too, which is... Crazy dumb, crazy dumb to me. Mm-hmm. Also, just stop the trade rumors in the middle of the year. Jalen Brown wants to be gone. I, they're popping up this week. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. What do you write about? Literally anything else? Like, oh, <laughs> just not going to talk about Jokic? Literally looking at Joel Embiid across the playoff bracket, say, sit down, young man. You don't deserve any MVPs. <laughs> I just why do the Celtics get attention when we're doing struggling? I just don't. <laughs> Oh, man. I just don't. 
I just don't know. I just we beat the Sixers, so I can't complain. Because mm-hmm. I mean, this was back in December. Like Anthony was talking about, oh, we're making this push. Said just for a second round exit. That's wild, bro. Like as a joke. Didn't think mm-hmm. it'd be the Celtics. Didn't think it would take seven games. And I said this on the podcast. And I'll say it again. This the Heat team is this current iteration is the best team in the East. If they keep doing this weird magic, Jimmy Butler can't miss anything, and well, yeah. and and Bam Adebayo is all of a sudden the most dominant defensive big because the Celtics. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna ramble. I think did you say that on this podcast? I thought last week you were pretty confident about about the Celtics. No, I sorry, I pivoted and then I didn't even finish my sentence. I said that if the if Philly would not would have um, beat the Celtics, I still would not have been convinced they were a better team than Boston. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I was saying. I, like, I like they're not better. Like they're you would mm-hmm. not have been able to convince me. Yeah, it was two weeks yeah. ago. I don't even remember. <laughs> I think that was last week. I remember that. Um, but then, game seven, yeah, game seven was last week. Just, yeah. I'm very conflicted on the Jalen thing because I just get irritated when Jason gets crapped on for no... I love Jalen Brown. I've said multiple times on this podcast he's the the J I prefer. Mm-hmm. You have. But I can attest. He skirts... He has the greatest job on planet Earth. To be second when he does fiddle. great, he gets just showered with praise. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're just underappreciated as a second option. But when he lays a goose egg, either Jason Tatum bails him out or Jason also struggles because a team like the Heat planned really well around him and Jason catches all the flat. Yeah. And that's almost one. I wonder if Jalen Brown knows that and is like, I'm going to get paid a max anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and he, I, he prefers. And if he hates Boston, then that's totally fine. But if, if he's okay being the guy that can average 25 points a game and be the second option and very rarely catch any of the blame, yeah. if he's comfortable with that, then that's awesome. I want them to, to retire together. I want this to be a Mikhail Bird level of that long and they just keep going together in the most points by a duo in Celtics history, everything. Mm. I want that with all my heart. So, but I feel like Jimmy has been just what you brought up about Jalen, about how he's kind of skirted a lot of the blame in this playoff series and just throughout throughout time. I, I feel like there is a lot of blame to go to him because just watching the minutes that I have of the series has been a lot of Jimmy kind of being the father to Jalen Brown, the son. Uh, he's really pressuring him a lot, like playing up on, on him when he's handling the ball. And just with one swipe in there, he's just getting the ball out like every time. Uh, Jalen can't seem to to stop Jimmy on the other end. So that matchup has just been like... A nightmare. Yeah, exactly. And then caused Joe Missoula to, to switch it up and try to put Grant Williams on, <laughs> on Jimmy Butler. Which worked! Which worked! Like, it wasn't like... Like the the Grant Williams being the I'm hit, I'll make them both type of Grant Williams yeah. and getting in his face, but like Jimmy Butler struggled to score more when Grant Williams was on him. Point period. That's that's the whole thing. Mm. He struggled more. Mm-hmm. I need to go look at it because I don't. I didn't notice. I guess from watching it with my eyes, how much of like a better job he did. All all I really know of this is after the fact there's a lot of clips and a lot of moments after the game uh, of showing like Jimmy looking over at Joe Missoula and saying, you thought this would work and like pointing at Grant Williams. And he was like, people were saying that it fueled Jimmy to uh, basically dominate even more than he already was. So, but yeah, I, I, I'll go through. So what, what do you do? Let's say you're Joe Missoula. Who do you throw on Jimmy Butler? Um, 
it's got to be a team effort thing for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think. I mean, the Celtics should be able to. That's what I mean. It, like it's it's not the it's a it's not a exit and oath that Jimmy Butler is just being a superhuman. Yeah. The Celtics are literally the perfect team to have one guy that is Jimmy Butler size to just be like neutralized Every, everywhere on the roster. <laughs> yeah. But, but Jimmy Butler just doesn't fucking care. <laughs> He's like it's it's basketball gods is Jimmy Butler. He's just like. <laughs> I'm going to do that this year. And it's awesome. From a basketball perspective, if this was the Sixers, I'd be just clapping. Uh-huh. Like, but it's literally, it's it's not unexplainable because it's Jimmy Butler, but I'm like, what? Yeah. But what? Like, we can, do we need to put like Marcus Smart in front of him to stay ahead of him and then have immediate, always backside help? Is that what it has to be? Is that the only way? Like, because Marcus Smart is the best in terms of being able to stay speed, stay ahead of him, and be a constant annoying yeah. person. Because mm-hmm. like, Marcus Smart urge Joel Embiid sometimes. But I, it's so yeah. You could you could have it like Marcus Smart being the on ball guy with back help from Robert Williams the third. Yeah, kind of doing the Giannis method of of having you know having a guy up on trying to contain the dribble, but then also as he drives and penetrates into the defense, kind of build a wall. Of That's exactly what we did against Joel Embiid in mm-hmm. Game 7. But it doesn't work against Jimmy Butler because all of a sudden now he's a better three-point shooter than Reggie Miller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a wrinkle that is hard to plan for. Well, no, and it's fine because if, if Jimmy Butler is going to do that, I'm okay that being my grave. If Jimmy Butler is going to have the playoffs of all time, period, exclamation point, no debate. Because mm-hmm. if he gets him to the finals and gives him a fight against the Nuggets or even if, let's say that he pulled off. Has there ever been a better playoffs? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, in I terms of, in terms of jumping from where his expectations were to where he is, I he, there's not a better player I think in NBA history than Jimmy from like the jump from regular which regular season Jimmy is a good player. He's like a a borderline all-star consistently. But him in the playoffs is like a legit cemented top 5 guy in the league. Of all time. He's insane. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe, but he's just, maybe this playoff performance is, is, it's, it's so awesome and terrible to watch at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like I try to say it when, with like the Giannis thing, like defend the Bucks a little bit. Jimmy Butler was him. Jimmy Butler is still him. And I don't know if Jimmy Butler will stop trying to be him, but if we lose quicker than the Knicks did, I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, but <laughs> if you need help, call nine eight eight. Yeah, in all realism, if you're struggling with that type of stuff. But I am like, oh, man, just sadness. Mm. If, we, if we're not worse than the Knicks, are you? No disrespect to Tom to Tom Thibodeau or the t- Tim Snail Thibodeau, but <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, yeah, like, like putting this into perspective, would you rather have Jason Tatum or? Jalen Brunson, who I defended last episode. Mm. I loved it. I'm like, he's the guy. The Kevin Durant episode, episode 35, go take a look. Is like... I would have Tatum, if that's what you're asking me. Yeah. That's what I mean. Tatum. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle or Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown. <laughs> Not even a question. <laughs> that's what I, But then you... Marcus Smart or Emmanuel Quickly? Um... That was close. Okay. Well, Quickly sucked in this postseason, so probably I'd stay with Marcus Smart. Okay, so then you keep going down. Obi Toppin or Al Horford? Al Horford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or would you rather have Robert uh, Williams or Williams third or Mitchell Robinson. Robinson? It was almost a 5-0 sweep. We'll call it a 4-1 yeah. because like the Marcus Smart one's kind of a coin flip, and I'd say the uh, Robert Williams the third is kind of a coin flip. 
Yeah. For me. Well, I think more so for health is why I, I, I question the Robert Williams one. But, but like, we can't lose to, we can't lose in five. Mm-hmm. Or, or what if it's Celtics. four? It could be four. Don't for, as far as you know, right now. No, it's not. You're going back it's to Miami not. right now, and it's down. You're down two. Do uh, people pretend Miami has a home court? Well, it's not Miami Boston. Fans, it's not Boston's home court. It's definitely not an advantage for Boston. It is, it is virtually a neutral field. It's neutral. I'd be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look into that uh, soon. Look at their all-time record, or like over the past several seasons, home record versus away record. No, it's more just like look at dudes' atmospheres. People have said this, like NBA players, like Miami's during the game is not the hard part of Miami. Playing at Miami, playing about like an NBA playoff series in Miami is the days the in between where you're the nightlife yeah. and staying in between. In between games. Yeah, players being Which responsible. Is, I think it's Greg Popovich was like, you don't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You live and breathe the hotel. Uh-huh. Can't go out and socialize. Yeah, James Harden would have been in shambles if he played in Miami. yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, if he played in San Antonio in the finals. Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, or the other way. If, if James Harden was ever in Miami Heatle, yeah. that would have been great for the Miami nightclubs and strip clubs. <laughs> Bring them a lot of business. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> <laughs> well, how do you suck at home? You're the Boston Celtics. You play at yeah. Garden. It's not like you're playing in Miami where people leave if you're down by 12 at halftime. The only home field advantage Miami has is like the women before and after the game. Because dudes don't stay focused up. What about that that lady with the crazy dresses on the side? Is that is that enough? Is that really going to... If that takes you <laughs> off your game, get out of the NBA. Go play for the main <laughs> Red Claws. <laughs> for main, main Celtics. Red Claws. It used to be. I don't know what. I think it's Main Celtics now. Yeah. Yeah, it's Main Celtics. It used to be the Main Red Claws when it was the uh, D League. Veterans oh, will yeah. remember. You get a senior mm-hmm. discount if you remember. It was the Developmental League and not the Gatorade League. No, yeah, real ones remember it. Real ones. So yeah, on the flip side of being like, so you've seen what? Not depression. I'm not depressed. I'm okay. I'm sad. It's fine. On the flip side, jubilation is occurring in the Western Conference Finals for this podcast. So how does it feel, Logan, to just look at LeBron James and be like, Serbia and Cleveland? No, I was gonna Akron. Uh, no, I was gonna. I, where is Jamal Murray from? I was gonna make an, oh an, Toronto. I was gonna, oh Toronto. I was gonna make an inappropriate joke about Jamal Murray, but he's doing great after he tore his ACL. Yeah, just doing just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Look, looking like Jamal Murray again in the playoffs, just showing up. Mm-hmm. Who's Austin Reeves? Never heard of the man. Rui <laughs> Hachimura on Jokic to slow it down. The Lakers really the Rubik's cube into a <laughs> big old sweep. What the dude? And then also. Uh, for everyone listening, follow what's your Twitter handle? Uh, Hoop Theory. Follow Hoop Theory because this man's going to start tweeting during games because part of the way through the first quarter, you tw- you texted me and Anthony, our friend Anthony, Sixers fan, went home in the second round, that I hope that the Lakers don't put Rui on Jokic and let AD roam. Verbatim. Mm. Almost exactly what you said. And then near the end of the game, the Lakers really unlocked some. This was from Worldwide Rob Perez or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he was like, the Lakers really unlock something defensively when they put Rui and let AD the freak he is roam on defense. And I'm like, my buddy Logan said that like two hours ago. <laughs> so you're not really breaking any news to me, Mr. Worldwide. So, <laughs> yeah, I need to calm down. I'll stop. People, that was 13 minutes of high octane, high energy uh, entertainment for folks. So I apologize about that. Um, but yeah, how, how does it feel to be on the top of the world virtually? Because matchup wise, I feel like you're like, what are the Heat going to do to stop you? Yeah. Even if Jimmy Butler has the games of his life, 
Bam's not stopping Jokic without fouling out, probably. Mm-hmm. And guard defense on the Heat, Kyle Lowry is just, I don't know. Eric Spolstra yeah. is the fountain of youth. He's just the walking fountain exactly. of youth. Also, I secretly, not disrespect, if the Celtics can't figure their life out, which I don't think they will, um, I want Udonis Haslam to get a ring, like another one. But I want him to start game seven or game whatever it has to be. Yeah. I want him he just to, start. Has to start the game. Just start the game. Get let him do the tip off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Okay. I'm done. I got it all out of my system. This will be a regular podcast starting now. All right. So I guess I don't know even where to, if I should respond to one of your oh, yeah, six you questions. No, you, can, you, can, <laughs> you can go with the heat. You can go with the heat. You can just, I just want to know. Um, let's go seven, seven words. How you feel about the state of Nuggets basketball at the moment? Mm, seven words. I feel pretty great, but also iffy. You're up 3-0, so I don't know if you should be iffy. Yeah, well, no, not iffy about the Western Conference Finals, but, like, I feel a little, um, what should I call it? Like, scared about being super non-worried. So I'm, like, worried about not being worried, <laughs> if that makes sense, with uh, the Nuggets, because I don't want to just be, like, super confident uh, because the part of it really scares me of like how the Heat have just completely surprised everybody, like continually throughout this playoffs. But like part, of, I can't get it out of my head of the past several years how the Nuggets have played against the Heat in the regular season, how we've just always dominated. Um, like the Heat have just never really been an issue for the Nuggets. So, but then again, I'm like this this Heat team in the playoffs seems like a totally different team. So I don't know whether to take any of that into account or not. Um, so it, it depends, but also Eric Spolstra does scare me as, as like a tactician with, with how he's going to be game planning. Cause I think that's a big part of the series you guys are in right now is, is Spo versus Missoula. And like you said, Missoula is young and still has to, you know, earn his stripes, I guess. I think league. he'll get there. He's just not there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Spo, like anybody going up against Eric Spolstra is going to look, you know, the lesser coach. <laughs> There's literally like what? But, two coaches? I'd say zero. <laughs> and Nurse? No, but, but they won't look as silly as... Oh, yeah. But, but like... Probably, yeah, Popovich, Nurse. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know if I would say Popovich right now because... That's true. Last time we've seen Popovich coach a playoff series was like a different era almost. It feels like, you know, and how how just how you game plan and do stuff nowadays is probably a little bit different. And who knows if he's able to adjust to that. Yeah, so it's a, it's a hypothetical, I guess. But... Yeah, the Heat um, continuing to... Uh, it's just crazy that they're up 2-0 while being the lower seed. Like, it's obviously spelling not very good omens for for the Celtics in this series. But the way things are breaking is just about as perfect as they can for the Nuggets. Just lining it all up. And that's why I do feel pretty great. And I do feel like it's just insane that this is happening. That the Nuggets... It really feels like the Nuggets are going to win an NBA title. It's just pretty wild. I never... I, I mean, I imagined being in this position, you know, but it just feels crazy like it, it kind of happening, I guess. Um, I've never had a, any sort of sports fandom of a team to be in this kind of a position where they're about to win it, you know. So it's a new feeling to me, but I, it's, it's, a, it's a welcome one, that's for sure. And uh, Jokic, so over in the Western Conference, Jokic versus AD. The past two games now, AD has been really, really good defending and not just when he's one-on-one with Jokic you know that like with the adjustment to put Hachimura on Jokic so AD can roam a big part of that is when he has so when Jokic is posting up Rui 
you know, to take him to the basket to, you know, take advantage of that one-on-one matchup. AD is sagging off of Aaron Gordon, who's either in the dunker spot for some reason, which I thought was a dumb thing for Michael Malone to do to keep him in the dunker spot, or he's in the corner and AD sags off of him because he doesn't respect his his three-point shot. So AD's clogging up the paint. So when Jokic is, you know, going to his post-moves bag, AD's right there ready to swallow up the shot. And uh, that happened quite a few times the past two games. I was pretty frustrated watching how, like, it, but it, it was all credit to AD. You know what I mean? Like, there was just some moves where I'm like, wow, that's money for Jokic usually. All, like, AD just teleports to, like, have his hand right on the ball and uh, st- just stuff like that. But then in the fourth quarter, there was a stretch where AD was sitting for rest, and they just continued to guard Jokic with Hashimura. And that it just showed clear as day the reason why it's so like the game plan worked very well against Jokic having AD off. Like it's not about who's guarding Jokic in the scenario because without AD on the floor and it was just Hachimura guarding Jokic, Jokic was going to town and like had all of his all of the points he's had like in the entire game were basically in the fourth quarter and against Rui for the most part. So uh, yeah, we got to see that play out and. The La- I just feel good also about just Lakers fans and, and also not even just Lakers fans, but a lot of media people. Somebody I've been bringing up numerous times throughout this podcast this year, uh, Kevin O'Connor. For some reason, me and him have had a lot of things where I don't agree with him, which is not normal. Like most seasons, me and him are pretty lockstep. But this year, there's just been some things, especially like pertaining to the Nuggets specifically, that I'm like, where is that? Where is this coming from? And so he picked, I don't know if you know this, but he picked the Lakers to win in six at the beginning of the series. And, you know, I've heard, I heard a lot of people picking Lakers. I heard a lot of people picking the Nuggets in seven. You know, if they did pick the Nuggets, it was always close. And, you know, from the very beginning of it, I, I was pretty confident, like, as confident as I feel like I could be of, you know, the Nuggets are just, they're better. They're a better team. And if Jokic continues to play the way he has throughout this postseason and throughout the past three years, really. If he continues to play like that guy and we have like decent shooting performances from guys like Jamal and uh, Porter and uh, AG does his job on the defensive end. Like if all those things happen, I feel like there's not a team in this entire league that could beat us in a playoff series. So I felt pretty confident about it. It does feel really good to be up 3-0. I don't know if I would have predicted that just because of how I feel like the Nuggets tend to uh, get pretty comfortable when we, we have a big cushion or a lead. Like after we go up 2-0, I, f- I felt like we would probably drop game three, but that didn't end up happening. And I'm a happy man because of that. So me and Jacob are kind of like on the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of our mental health right now. Yeah. <laughs> so actually direct. Correct. Yeah. But hey, at least... No, actually, I'm out of things. Like when the boss, when the Bruins broke my heart, I was like, I got the Celtics. Oh, yeah, and now the Pats are still in kind of like a rebuilding phase. Oh, that's right? fine. I'm all here for rebuild. I guess they got Matt Rule in Nebraska. Nebraska softball, low key, doing pretty good. They're playing in a regional uh, final against Oklahoma State mm-hmm. here in about 30 minutes. So maybe that'll cheer me up today. <laughs> yeah. But basketball is not going to be the one that's bringing you pleasure throughout the next couple weeks. Couple weeks for sure. But no, I can get. I'll get pure joy out of the Nuggets probably. Oh really? Not like I appreciate that. Not pure joy, but like yeah, like the, cheering for Jokic. Jokic is a very likable human. I think. Mm-hmm. Like even yeah. he did an interview. Will we see you coaching? No, I hate. He's like I hate the idea of being a coach in like a post game <laughs> interview after yeah. game three. 
And like uh-huh. further cementing that my prediction of he will retire and then disappear and we will see him like for like big NBA centric events or when he gets his jersey retired and it's all like mm-hmm. he will not be Charles Barkley or Shaq. He will not be around. He will be gone. Mm-hmm. And we'll just have to be thankful for the little blips we get when we get them. <laughs> yeah, I do think it'll probably be be like that. Sadly, because I, I do like having Jokic in my life. So, but thankfully, you know, just looking at where he is right now in age, like he, we should have plenty of more time left. But he has said before that he doesn't want to play till he's like 35 or very old. Like he, he doesn't want to play super into his late years. So, but I don't know what that means exactly. What age, what age is the cutoff for him? But we'll see. But I think he's already, he might be already the, the GOAT of Nuggets history. I think Alex English is probably the, the contender to face him in that. I, th- I think Melo is up there, but I, I think he's already passed Melo a few years ago. No, I think I agree that he's passed Melo just because of the... Melo did a lot, but like, if Jokic is this, I don't even know if it's a debate. Mm-hmm. Two MVPs brings him the first uh, championship in team history is like a homegrown guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's immense. him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And because I think he's close to Alex English right now. So if he pulls it off, I feel like that has to be a tipping point. Yeah. But so anyways, that kind of does it for the Western Conference finals. In terms of the finals matchup, like I said, with the Celtics, I wouldn't feel as confident. But also, I still would feel pretty confident. In the Celtics? Yeah, if if it were the Celtics instead oh. of the Heat, because I already talked about the Heat. Oh, I thought you were saying in this <laughs> current iteration of the. I'm like, oh, like you're okay. I see what you're saying. I was you like, thought, are you still? Because like some people, are like I still feel good about the Celtics after Game One. I'm like, after Game Two, if you yeah. are not worried, you have a level of confidence that I wish I had. Yeah. Now, I mean, from a Nuggets perspective, I would still feel pretty confident going against the Celtics in the finals if they were to pull off the uh, comeback, but. I would probably prefer Miami, though, honestly. I would think so, because outside... I mean, you touched on regular season prowess, but, like, outside of New Year's game this year, Jokic has never had a great time against the Celtics. But I also think in this playoffs, he's gotten over what always makes the Nuggets lose to the Celtics. Like, he's, like... I agree. He's gotten a lot better better at that. Not that it was was a huge weakness, but, like, the Celtics would make Jokic score and almost make him uncomfy when they tried to make him score. They wouldn't give him the the spots. Yeah, like, it looks... They were really, they were really good at rushing him at the perfect time. They, they just have the ability to switch and move, switch everything. So like Jokic never got even when he does have like because the way the Lakers have struggled is like when they make Jokic beat them or when they try to, Jokic was still getting shots he liked, mm-hmm. and now they're in a three-zero hole. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get what you're saying that. The, yeah. I honestly, I think the Nuggets are the team to beat. Mm-hmm. Probably, yeah. It, it feels good that we're finally there. It feels like nobody. I, I never used to be on like the bandwagon. Not, I, I shouldn't call it bandwagon, but this like corner of NBA talking head, heads that always <clears throat> talk about how there's certain markets, like the smaller markets that are just so disrespected all the time on national TV. Like I do think there's some truth to it, but I also feel like some people oversell that in a way. But I'm really starting to feel like from my experience with the Nuggets this year that it's like, why was like nobody on the Nuggets from like there was like a few people, but most people were like always choosing different teams throughout this entire season. Well, I think part of it was there was a long stretch of season where Boston looked crazy. Yeah, I mean that that was a giant chunk of it, and then Jokic started sitting a little bit right when Boston cooled off, mm-hmm. and that was right when Philly was going off. Too. And that's when Philly started going crazy. Um, 
uh, Milwaukee picked up right there as well. And mm-hmm. what I don't get is in the playoffs when after the um, like Warriors went down. Yeah, I was like, why is there any debate who's coming mm-hmm. out of the West? Yeah. And but the Warriors, I think a lot of people were picking picking the Warriors as their favorite in the West at the beginning of the playoffs, which is crazy to me, also. Yeah, but like, yeah, like I don't think it's crazy to uh, consider them as a contender, but just the fact that you're saying they're like clearly your your favorite over clearly Denver not was close. That's, yeah, that, no, that's that's insanity. Yeah, and Phoenix was the other one that a lot of people were picking. I, I really didn't feel like the Nuggets. I mean, they might have been about equal to those other two teams, but the fact that there was a good portion of of uh, the NBA media circle that were picking those other two teams over the over the Nuggets just felt a little weird. Also, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a lot of things coming out of like the national media people, like Lisa Salters, who's the uh, sideline reporter. And Michael Wilbon said during one of the half times that they're not really f- that familiar with Jokic because they never watch Nuggets games. <laughs> Michael Wilbon's a fucking clown. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna stop. I can't stand that dude. Yeah, so it's just kind of funny to see because it's like I mean that, that's kind of obvious, I guess, but it, it also is just weird to actually see that and see people like reacting to Jokic for the first time, really, in this big of a stage, I guess. And that kind of brings me into a point that I wanted to to bring up, which was it's kind of like a revision of things I was saying last episode, because this was kind of like the central point of what I was trying to get at with what I was talking about last episode, but I, I didn't really hit on it, which was, I think that Jokic has already proven that narrative about why he shouldn't win the third MVP. Like even, even if the Nuggets don't win the title this year, he's already proven that wrong. He's already done enough to show that he's not like this guy who just hasn't shown up in the playoffs before. Like this isn't new as far as what Jokic is doing. He's it's not like a new thing for, for for people who have been watching the Nuggets over the past few years. The difference is we've like the past two games are great examples where we have Jamal Murray who's actually going off and 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 winning us games in the fourth quarter. Um, like little things like that. Other people pitching in um, and having just this team around a guy who's so who's so set on like involving other players. Like, just think about how much that boosts your value if you have better players around that guy. So it's just helped a lot. Bruce Brown, I wanted to shout him out because I know me and you on a podcast back in the regular season, I shared some thoughts about Bruce Brown, about how I, I feel like he was a tad bit overrated for the Nuggets this season. Um, and I guess I wanted to just, just clear my thoughts up on that because I feel like a lot of people interpret it because I, I did talk to some people after they heard that episode. Um, who had questions about it. And I feel like a lot of people interpret it as like, I didn't like Bruce. I thought he wasn't as good as people thought he was type of thing, but it was more so just, I feel like he's good in a different way. Like, I I just think his, where he's optimized is in a specific role that is like, he's the hustle guy that just kind of comes in and energizes the whole group. He's diving after loose balls. He's attacking closeouts with like, like a insane motor that you don't see on like from anybody else on the court, like that, that kind of stuff being like a connective tissue between like the starting players, but then how we've been using him throughout the regular season for most of his minutes has been Jamal's backup. So he's like the backup point guard and handling things and, you know, initiating stuff in the second unit, which is just not his strong suit. Like he can, he can do it in spots, but like to just have him do that full time is like, 
you know, that's that's the issues that I had with him. And this playoffs, since we've shrunk the, the rotation down to eight, eight guys, like that's really what's unlocked, I think, Bruce Brown in a big way, because now he's actually playing off of those those starting level players consistently more so than he did in the regular season. So, yeah, but I wanted to shout out Bruce Brown. The Bruce is loose. One of my favorite nuggets, honestly, in this postseason. And I guess I'll shout out one more player, which is Jeff Green. He's been up and down this postseason, but I think he's had a lot more good moments, at least from for, for my eye test. Had a lot more good moments than bad. And I feel like there's been a lot of Nuggets fans that have been more on the bad side with him this postseason. So I wanted to show Jeff Green some love. Being 36 years old and still coming in, defending LeBron and AD, hitting threes when he needs to, uh, doing his job. So love me some Uncle Jeff as well. Your guys' team's a lot of fun. Yeah, I like this group of guys. Yeah, I mean, and it helps they're good, but like they're just a the same way. I kind of looked at like OKC. It was just kind of like a fun group of guys to watch. Like mm-hmm. Shea just being an all like just a bona fide superstar. The Dorcher Chamber, Giddy, Timothy Chalamet. Oh yeah. Um, but like you guys have the same type of funness to you for teams that aren't necessarily like fans of the for people that are not fans of the Nuggets like Jokic is still like kind of an entertaining like character not to watch if you don't love basketball he's mm. not a fun guy to watch <laughs> but if you like love basketball like if you're like you're just like mm, mm, and he does things and you're like mm. yeah to me like I get what you're saying and a lot of people say that uh, yeah, that's kind of a common refrain with Jokic is to say that he uh, he's not fun to watch for, so, for the average, barely a basketball fan. Yeah, exactly. But like, cause I've always been like, he's by far when I like, I don't even feel like it's just because I'm a Nuggets fan. It's just because I'm exposed to him a lot that I'm like, wow, this guy is like my favorite player to watch because it's just, he plays so different. Like I'm not a Nuggets fan and he is up there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so even on his bad days, there's never like a day where I'm like, this is hard. Get it out. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's crazy. He's, he's a good decision maker. He, he, he plays the right way. This is an off-season conversation that we we'll have to bring up. Okay, I, I have a th- I have a wonder. Okay, maybe you should write that down so we don't don't lose it. I'm gonna type it into yeah. Okay. okay, and while you're doing that, I'm also going to shout out one more person, which is Michael Malone, because he's a guy that I've criticized a lot over the years. Um, but this this postseason, him and I, I don't want to just say him because it's I know there's a lot more that goes on with a coaching staff than just the head coach. I think David Adelman and Ryan Saunders are both big time contributors over on that bench. So, but I've really enjoyed what I've seen from the Nuggets coaching staff this postseason. It's impressed me to a very high degree compared to uh, postseasons in the past. Um, they've been willing to change up a lot more stuff. I still don't love that Michael Porter Jr. is always the scapegoat when we're in a you know a closing stretch where we, we want to roll out a defensive lineup. They just take out. Uh, MPJ and leaving Jamal when literally uh, that was either game one or game two. I think it was game one. Uh, How the Lakers came back offensively speaking was uh, LeBron was hunting Jamal and pick and rolls and kept getting switches onto him and just attacking him one-on-one. And so they just kept going to that. And then when we had a final possession where like we, we needed to have a defensive lineup to get a stop uh, the subs they made was to take MPJ out and put Bruce Brown in and just leave Jamal in there who is like the issue on on the defensive end. Michael Porter Jr. has been honestly really solid on on the defensive end this postseason like defending guys on switches has been really good. Yeah, I think the more the, like LeBron against Jamal Murray I don't think is fair. Yeah. 
but no, 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 I get it to switch it, but like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm also like, I feel like it's not the same comparison. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, not that Jamal's the same level of defender as Steph, because Steph does a lot oh, with six. Yeah, three. no, I, I you know guess what I'm mean? not. But like, yeah. Steph is screwed if he gets swapped on to LeBron. He's just, yeah, just for done. sure. But MP- Steph is a, a pretty decent defender. He's, he's improved his defense and turned into a very respectable defender. Yeah. If you're talking MPJ and Jamal defending LeBron on a switch, who's better? Like, yeah, I get that, that MPJ has a clear advantage there because of his, his build. But I guess I meant more the fact that in that scenario, it was LeBron who was the guy that was hunting Jamal on, on switches. And for some reason, MPJ is the guy that we take out. Just kind of doesn't make sense, and also how MPJ has defended throughout this postseason, him getting switches onto um, last series, getting switches onto Devin Booker, and him holding up like actually pretty well against Devin Booker in space, and just doing a pretty solid. Like he still has his his moments off ball where like you know one of those plays that the or that the the Lakers got a big bucket down the stretch of Game One when LeBron was hunting Murray on a switch. One of those was kind of like a Porter mistake, but it all you could attribute it to either him or, or Jamal in that scenario because Jamal is he's showing on LeBron and like so they don't actually get the switch because LeBron's defender stays with him, but because there's a screen there, Jamal has to show, you know, to kind of try to stop the ball. And but he sticks there too long because Austin Reeves has has flared out for like a open you know, shot on the uh, wing, basically. So Jamal kind of lingers too long with LeBron and waits too long to close out over to Austin Reeves, who eventually obviously gets the pass over to him and hits the big three in like the final minutes of the game. So, you know, you could attribute that to either Jamal waiting too long or MPJ, who is on the guy in the corner, to not kind of shade over and help to defend uh, Austin Reeves on that breakdown basically so the mpj does have moments like that sometimes where he's a little bit slow to react but for the most part it's completely night and day what mpj is on defense right now versus what his his reputation is like league-wide because his reputation is so based off of things that happened in his very first season in the bubble when he hadn't been playing all season long and then all of a sudden he's just thrown into the fire and has to play playoff series like defense. And then Michael Malone was making it very like public and apparent because in post game interviews, he was just ripping him. And it was like, you're the one who wasn't developing him all year long. You can't really blame him. But yeah, so MPJ has definitely progressed a lot as, as a defender. He's a lot more mobile now after recovering from his most recent back surgery, which is good to see. So yeah. Props to MPJ, which I think I did. That's not even the guy that I was trying to give props to when I started this. I was trying to give props to Michael Malone. But uh, so, yeah, Michael Malone has been really good as, uh, you know, changing coaching philosophy stuff down uh, down the stretch of games. Like the last game this is the last thing I'll say. Uh, game three, he made the adjustment to our closing group. Uh, the group that was actually working really well throughout that game was uh, so it was Jokic, Murray and Porter. But then. So instead of Aaron Gordon and KCP, it was Jeff Green and Bruce Brown in there. Jeff Green has been shooting better or more consistently from outside than, than Aaron Gordon has. So it made it a lot harder for AD to sag off of him uh, that it was Jeff Green in that situation instead of AG. And then Bruce Brown was just a menace on, on both ends of the floor 
he he just he has this motor that he's sprinting all he's like russell westbrook but if russell westbrook bought in and like knew how to play a, a role on a team instead of being like you know the the center of everything um it's kind of like that so yeah i don't even know who i'm who i'm giving props to anymore but i'm giving everybody all the props so that is where i'll end this little nuggets section which I wasn't meaning to take up most of the time so far in the episode talking about that, but we have yet again. Um, <laughs> so I apologize for that. But for now, we are going to move into things that aren't playoff related and they're more off season related. And that is the draft lottery that went on. I don't know. It was since we recorded last episode. Thursday. Thursday. Okay. That feels longer ago than that honestly but oh no nfl drafts always starts on a thursday so i might mix in the days up okay yeah i think it was tuesday i think you're right wednesday yeah something like that wednesday whatever day it was this uh the san antonio spurs have proven to be the best tanking team of all time the most precise surgical tankers to ever exist because they have now tanked away two seasons throughout their entire franchise history. And the first time they did that was to get a player by the name of Tim Duncan out of Wake Forest. And then uh, the second time they've done that, they have gotten who a lot of people have been calling and who I was calling back at what you know almost a year ago now, back at the very beginning of the season when I was recording episodes. Um, he was potentially the greatest prospect of all time in NBA history. So they have now sealed the deal on both of those, uh, which is pretty crazy to be able to do that. And I do think this, this also proves that the NBA does not rig the uh, lottery because the league has lost, obviously has lost so much money already just for the prospect of, of Wemby and ending up in San Antonio versus Wemby is a lifelong San Antonio Spurs fan because of Tony Parker. Okay, but I'm saying that it doesn't give the league any oh, it's a huge story, advantage. Sure. But having Wembenyama in a market like San Antonio, that's one of the, like, if you had to rank out the places... The biggest market option, realistically, that wouldn't be like, that's weird, was Houston. Yeah, Houston would have been big. The Detroit would have even been better. Like, those are more like basketball historic cities. Like, San Antonio has been guess. really good. But like the, I don't feel like the fan engagement and like the size of of ba- basketball did, in um, Texas don't outside yeah. of Houston basketball in Texas always struggles. Yeah, mm-hmm. just because they've had success in the past. Like the '90s were a, a great time to be a Houston Rockets fan. Yeah, and they're just a, a they're a massive city, and yeah. also I feel like it might be because that's the sport. Like Houston and Dallas have this very. Um, intense rivalry just as cities in general mm-hmm. and um, like obviously in football they're they've never really had the upper hand on the, the Cowboys so this is the sport that they usually a lot of times will have an advantage over Dallas so they probably care more about it <laughs> might have something to do with that but anyways so Wemby whether or not it could have been a, a rig because that I guess that does make sense I didn't think about the Tony Parker thing uh that makes him a Spurs fan, but that is a pretty good sport. No, I'm not saying that it's rigged. Like, also, this is a thing that I thought, why did all of a sudden people not care about seven foot people with crazy skinny legs? That was constantly chirping about Chet, Chet. Oh, his legs are too skinny. Oh, his legs are too skinny. Women Yama has a lot more to offer to the table than Chet does. He's this 
crazy unicorn. He's a supersized Chet. But he's like just better at everything also. Yeah. Like in terms of, like I'm not saying that he's not a freak prospect, but like I just am confused why, oh yeah, we can totally forget about him being like twig thin and just forget about it. Yeah. I guess I wouldn't say, I mean there's, yeah, there's some people that are probably overlooking that. I'd say that's still like the main concern with him for sure. But he has compared to most prospects of his, which, yeah, that's the thing. You can't really even say most prospects of his dimensions because there's been like very, very few ever. Yeah. But the ones that. It's actually half of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder roster. (laughs) Poku, Poku and Chet. Yeah. And then I I guess Chris Tapps wasn't a. But he's also not as skinny, crazy rail thin. Well, he used to be. But. Oh. Yeah, he bulked up a lot. I actually, well, I said the OKC thing is a joke, but Katie also, that was Uh, a big concern is his like crazy skinny and lankiness. That was an even bigger issue, yeah, back then. But it's even, yeah, it was not as accepted. Yeah, now we see what, like, how good Kevin Durant is despite being rail thin. Um, So it's less of a concern. But, and I mean, Kareem had a similar, like, he was thicker than, than when Benyama is, but he had a similar build when he was a prospect. Um, so Giannis was not as big muscly. He wasn't that real thin, but he was also thinner. Yeah. He was pretty thin too. Yeah. But I mean, he was the 15th pick in the draft, you know, mm-hmm. but this guy, yeah. When Binyama, I feel like the, uh, that has been the, still the main concern with him health wise. Uh, but I, I, he's had a cleaner record also, I think up till this point than most prospects of that same build. Like he's, he's proven to be pretty durable and have like good recovery time to recover from the small injuries that he has had. So that's a good sign. And uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like it's crazy for Woj and people to say that he's the best prospect since LeBron. But I, I wouldn't say that it's definitively like true either. Well, no, and I don't think there's there's any problems with because what he does on a basketball court, if you're playing 2K and you turn injuries off, he's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, but I just like how like Chet like probably wasn't the number one overall pick. A lot of it was because people kept harping on the skinny thing. Yeah, that was, like, that was definitely a big part of it. In hindsight, it was totally justified because he didn't play last year because of it. But it's just yeah. weird because I feel like it's been a lot closer. Granted, the gap between Paolo and Chet and Jabari Smith Jr. very different than Wemby and a very good draft class for the top couple picks anyway. Yeah, um, with uh, Scoot and Brandon Scoot, Miller. Brandon Miller, and then I've seen that people are worried about Scoot or not about Brandon Miller. So I've seen another G League player. Uh, is it the overtime guys? Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. Overtime. Amen. Thompson. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people I, I've seen with mock drafts, like they're supposed to go like four and five or three and four things. Like okay. That. Yeah. Um, but I think Wemby's going to San Antonio for sure. Oh yeah. Not a question. <laughs> like for if sure. you don't, like there's almost nothing even worth trading down for. Well, with the prospect of like what, like, and I mean that literally, like if what's, the Dallas Mavericks offer you Luca. Yeah, I was about okay. And before, we'll say before you half go, his salary. Oh, sorry. Sorry, before you go into that, let me just set up set this up. So I feel like there is a very very small like you could we could literally sit here and list the couple of things that are like not things that someone would give up in a trade for Wemby. Like there's that few amount of things in the league that could actually someone would say no, you know, to trade for for Wemby Yama, and I think it's. Giannis. Yep. Luca. Yep. Um, I don't. I feel like Jokic would probably stay in that group. Probably. I don't think Embiid would. Nope. It would be close at least. I don't think it would be. Really? You think in a heartbeat? 
No, because if you think about it, the other thing is like Jokic is on the edge because he's like already vocally expressed that yes, he's only twenty eight, mm-hmm. but for how long he wants to play, he's virtually thirty two. Yeah, <laughs> you like you know what I mean. Yeah, but like Luca, you still got ten years left mm-hmm. potentially. But um, Giannis, you still have quite a bit of time left because he's expressed wanting to play for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like these guys are young enough, so you have to get that young and already a proven superstar. But like you trade LeBron for him, yeah. Uh, like, for sure. From the Spurs side of yeah, like just because you're like I've got two years left on LeBron or this dude's entire career potentially, mm-hmm. like step like any of those like crazy huge names, the list might be over already. Yeah, with what you said. I've I've heard in terms of one to one assets, that list might be it. Yeah, it might be three dudes and two and a half if you want to count. Jokic is like a well, they might because Jokic is already vocally expressed. The most Jokic thing ever would be to do this and then leave and be done playing basketball. After he wins the championship. I've literally thought about that. Like, it's not a real thought, I guess, but it's, it's something that I thought of. Like, what if after we, he wins the championship, he just goes to Serbia and doesn't come back? <laughs> no, like, like, what if he just, like, then and he just hard trains for the Olympics, gets Serbia a gold medal, oh, and yeah. is done playing basketball? <laughs> just as, like, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be devastating for both you and people that just want to see him make a run at a... Mount Rushmore of centers and a Mount Rushmore of the players in general. Teaser for the offseason. The question that I had earlier, how far is Jokic off of being a top five player of all time? What else does he have to do? Because mm-hmm. I feel like there's not a lot of ta- like times a talent comes through where they can be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's we're in a weird time now where we have like three guys that if they keep on going on the trajectory they're at, they, they're in the ballpark of at least top 10 at the bare minimum. Yeah. Like, not counting the LeBron that's already there, not counting any, but like... Steph either, or you're not counting Steph either. Not, not counting Steph either, the guys that are pretty much already there. Yeah. Jokic, Giannis, Luka, like there's yeah. these guys that have the potential to get to there, but that'll be a probably way too long episode in the off season when there's not a whole lot of news going on. Yeah. And we'll like dive down and probably give our top tens and see how far those guys are. Anyway, I, I think that those three names are the list mm-hmm. of guys... Yeah. Because, like, let's say the Celtics were like, we'll give you Jason Tatum. Two firsts, three firsts, four firsts. How many firsts do you add? Two? Three? <laughs> yeah. First that's team all NBA? Yeah. Um, a first team all NBA small. It's probably not that four, more than three firsts. But, like. Yeah. It, yeah I mean, the Spurs. It depends. If it wasn't the Spurs, if, if we just say from a, what is a good trade, but the Spurs never lose. Yeah. They're always like, we need to win the trade pretty hard. So like if it's not the Spurs and it's just in a vacuum, we're going to go Mike Budenholzer mode, put it in a vacuum. What is the most fair equal trade? Is it Tatum and two firsts? It unprotected? might be. It, I guess it depends on some people, you know, the, have the philosophy of like what is certain, you know, like that, they really value that, like that, you know, where Tatum is right now, like who knows? Vic might never be that. He might never yeah. be as good as Tatum is. There's a chance. He, he might never average 38 and 5 or whatever. Yeah. That, to be I mean, thinking about that, it should be fair, very fair to assume he probably, you know, most people probably won't be that good. But that's that's the type of craziness that this is stirring because... The, 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 yeah. His hype is that crazy. Yeah. We're like, if I'm the Celtics, I say, no, I'm good. I'll, I'll keep Jason Tatum. I'm okay. He likes playing here. We like him. We're okay. Mm-hmm. So you personally would not trade Jason Tatum for Victor Wembanyama? No. Mm. You know who I would trade though? Jam Brown and Marcus Smart. Package him. Yeah, I don't think that would get it done. But oh yeah, no, I'm <laughs> also we're gonna do a full blown draft. Just extravapalooza. That's exactly what the episode's gonna be called. Yeah, it'll be episode. I don't know which one. 
the uh, Hoop Theory Extravapalooza draft special. But, but anyways, yeah. Uh, didn't really spend too much time on the draft, but that's okay. Uh, all you really need to know is when Bayama is going to the San Antonio Spurs and the draft starts at 2, um, to be honest. You know, Scoot and Brandon Miller are probably the more... Uh, favorite uh, options there, but there's definitely a lot of debate to be had about player uh, with baggage, like potentially, allegedly accessory to a murder, or um, guy who doesn't fit as well positionally with already is, having Lamelo. Yeah, so. just kind of a. And then the other interesting thing: what do the Portland Trailblazers do with three? Because if anybody wanted that number one pick more, it was the Blazers because they're like, we don't have to think what we want to do. We're going to take Wemby, we're going to pair him with Dane, and we're going to go from there. But now they have this weird, crazy thing at three. Is it more worth to go to trade pick three and package it and go get an elite something? What, yeah, what's what's I think, the play? I think if Charlotte takes Brandon Miller or takes a, yeah Brandon Miller at two, then Portland's kind of screwed. <laughs> like, yeah. Because what are you going to do with Scoot? Because, you, I mean, you already have... Dame and Anthony Simons, you know, for that matter. And then I think you, I, and honestly, it might be a draft day trade. Mm-hmm. I would not shock me if it's like the Charlotte Hornets select Brandon yeah. Miller, Alabama. If, if, and then at pick three, the Portland Trailblazers have traded the pick two. They have to. The Philadelphia yeah. 76ers. Yeah. Cause if, that's if, Anthony's dream. If Scoot, he wants, if, sorry, if Scoot falls to them at three, they, they have to trade, like, because I feel like just not no picking him. It's no discouraging to scoot at all, because he's going to be a, a very solid player in the NBA. It's just you have Damian. Yeah, Lillard. no. If anything, it's a compliment to him because because of how how much value that guy has. You're just completely not using that at all if you just decide to not pick him. You know? Yeah. You have to, you have to be able you have to use that pick to pick scoot, but trade it because you have to cash in on that value. You can't just skip over him. That would be kind of a terrible uh, GM work, you know, GM job. I can't say words very well, but, you know, I'm just trying to just trying to make a job out of it. It's not mm-hmm. anything serious. I do actually do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, okay, that's enough draft stuff for now. That's going to be something we'll be talking about in the offseason quite a bit. I'm sure of it. So... Now, moving into everyone's favorite, probably nobody's favorite part of the day, but our favorite part of the day. It's our favorite. (laughs) Which is our trivia game, the random player trivia game. I already have mine prepared, so I'll start off with the easiest one out of the main three, the three random players that are supposed to be current. All three of these guys technically aren't, though, because they aren't in the NBA this season, but they are very recent NBA players. Um, And for a foreshadowing... The three that I've gotten for for Jacob are actually very difficult. He might need to cheat a little bit in order to get some of these. So, uh, the first guy on the list, he he went to the... Oh, if I give you the college, that might give him away because he's like the only player from there. So, I'm going to start with something else. His One of his nicknames... I've never heard of either of these nicknames, but they make sense. So, one of his nicknames is Agent Block. Agent Block. And this is a guy you definitely know. The only agent nickname I know is Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas, yeah. Agent Zero. Agent Zero. Mm-hmm. So is it... Is Gilbert Arenas a Memphis guy? Uh, no, Hardaway. he's from Arizona. That's Hardaway. Gilbert Arenas went to Arizona, I'm pretty sure, with Richard Jefferson. They were on the same team. Agent Block. Agent Block. Okay. So he's a rim protector. Oh, prolific rim protectors. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird name, prolific rim protectors. What are, what are guys that have big, big block stats? Anybody ever get to 20 blocks? The only block triple-double I can remember. Okay. Sacramento Kings bum. 
Miami Heat legend Hassan Whiteside. Yep, exactly. Let's go. I will never forget. It was our senior year of high school. Like there was two double or two triple doubles on the same night. One was from Draymond and one was from Hassan Whiteside. And Draymond didn't have ten points, and he Draymond did it without points. I think. Yeah. And then Hassan Whiteside did it with blocks instead of assists. Yeah, wow. And it was like, what is this weird universe? I'm surprised you got that, honestly. That's pretty crazy. Uh, I played a lot of 2K14. A lot of 2K14. I think that's my only one, uh, how you describe it. He's from Marshall. I don't know if that would have given it away. It would not have. Okay. For me, it would have because that's the only guy I know of from Marshall. from Marshall. Yeah. Well, uh, you take a one-off and I pick a... Just uh, everyone and their mom has gone to this man's college. I won't tell you which one yet, but this individual that has played in the NBA stands at six foot four, two hundred and seven pounds, and he is a current NBA player. Um, I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay, six four. Twenty the twenty twenty two season was the last season. Okay, six four. 207. I'm going to go with a guard, like a point guard. Real journeyman. Longest time he was at a team was for two years. Marshawn Brooks. Oh, I lied. I forgot about this middle stretch. She was one place for a while. Wait, what the? Uh, no, it's not Marshawn Brooks. Uh, okay. This is a shooting guard that shoots right-handed. They're also <laughs> a junior. <laughs> like most most shooting guards? Also a junior. Like they, their name is... Blah, 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 Junior. Oh, do, do they say that a lot? Like, do, would I know it? That he was no, a junior? I wouldn't know. Oh, okay. The nickname's kind of weird if you want that as a kid. If it doesn't give anything away, I guess. I don't think it does, but maybe you know something about this individual that I don't, and this yeah. is a giveaway. But the man with the golden arm. So I'm guessing he is a good three-point shooter, right? I would agree. Okay. And is that, is that his calling card? That's what he's known for? Oh, yeah-ish. 38.2% from the three-point line in his entire NBA career. Okay. The dimensions is what's, is what's bothering. This isn't J.J. Redick, is it? It is not. His percentage would be higher. This individual, through the college, or what, what, what are you vibing for now? Uh, yeah, college would help. I do college. UNC, University of North Carolina. Yeah. Okay, I'm starting to think of somebody, but I'm trying to pinpoint it. Somebody's coming to my brain very vaguely. Um, wait, no. It's not Reggie Bullock because he's 6'5", 6'6", and he's still playing. Man. Um, yeah, I don't know if that really helped me that much. I don't even know if I remember him on a team. I just remember him. Because okay. he like, barely played at one place. Like, Oh, so this guy like barely got in. Like He barely played. No, 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 no. He just bounced. He played in... 76 games, 62 games, 51 games, 78. He played in a lot of games. Oh. Didn't, never was a real starter, but he played in a ton of games. Okay, so how many games has he started versus played overall? Started 206 to play in 770. Okay, so he had a long career. When did oh, he, yeah. When uh, did he uh, get drafted? 2009. Oh. So first season was the 2010 season. Yeah. So he played with... Can you give me the um, conference that the team is in that he got drafted to? Oh, drafted to was West. West. Was it Portland? It was not Portland. It was in Portland's... Northwest? Northwest. So it's either the Timberwolves, the Nuggets, the Jazz, or the Thunder? Yes, sir. Is it my team? Is it the Nuggets? Nope. Is it the not Wolves? The yes, it is the T-Wolves. 2009 T-Wolves. Oh. He's in Minnesota for three years. And he started bouncing around. 
Oh man. Um, okay, so what jerseys did they wear back then? I'm trying to picture him. Huh. So he was with Kevin Love, right? Yes. Would have been this. Do you want just a list of the teams he played for? Yeah, give me that. Minnesota to start off his career for three years. Then he went to Memphis for a year. Then Cleveland. Then he went out to Dallas. Played for the Lakers, the Nets. Then he was at Miami for three years. Then he went to Detroit, to the Knicks, to Detroit again. And then last year was on the Lakers. Oh. Um, so he had two separate stretches with like two years with the Lakers not connected, two years with the Pistons not connected. Mm-hmm. I know him the most as a Laker from his old stint, but that's also because I played 2K14 a lot. So it wasn't a very good Lakers team, but it was back It was back then. That might have been the year he started the most games. And this guy's a shooting guard? Yep. Man, okay, so he was at the Timberwolves, then the Lakers. He was on the Heat, the Pistons, the Knicks. You said all the those? Three years with the Heat is also a jersey I like. I've visualized him in. Oh. But it was the post-Heatles Heat. Because it's 2017 oh, through 2019. I know who this 19. is, man. Oh, wow. Wayne Ellington. Yeah, he's avoided championships like it's his job. Um, it's kind of actually insane. He, like, is there right before... Yeah, it's Wayne Ellington for those that... Uh, yeah. But right before or right after, like, it's actually kind of remarkable. He shows up to Miami in 2016, and but then he, like... Leaves Miami, goes to L.A. the year after they go. It's 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 kind of remarkable how this guy dodges championships. Yeah, um, um, I never, I don't remember the Timberwolves part of his career at all. But I, I think, yeah, I think that is what kind of started to throw me off. Anyways, um, should have got that, but took me too long. Uh, okay, so your next guy is somebody who is of like equal prominence. This saw right side or as Wayne Ellington. As Wayne Ellington. Um, but he's played not as many games because he, he is European. So that is your Petrovic. No, that would have been wild though. That would have been crazy. So this guy is basically a current player. Like he's, he just was playing last season this year. He's not, he's playing for FC Barcelona, which is weird. I just found out today that even though they're the basketball clubs in the Euro league, they're all, they're still called FC. Because they're the same owner. Yeah, because it's they're owned by FC Barcelona, so they still are referred to as F Football Club Barcelona, <laughs> but they play basketball, so that's weird. But yeah, he plays for FC Barcelona, but he so he came over to the NBA when he was twenty five. Is why I was I was saying he's equal prominence at Ellington, but he hasn't played near as many games. So he's played three hundred eighty eight career games, started one hundred eighty two of them. Nicole Miritich? No, he is a um, similar position. To Wayne Ellington. Oh, Wayne's okay. Um, 20? He's very versatile, though. Plays one through three, really, is kind of what he plays. One through three. What team do you like? Um, you would probably know him from it would either the either the Wizards or the Bulls, for sure. One of those two teams. It's not Miritich. Mm-hmm. Wizards or Bulls from Europe. Yep. Shooting guard-ish, but a one through three. Mm-hmm. Two... Joined when he was 25 and just stopped. What was the first team he played for? The Wizards. Spent his first three years there, and then he also ended. So he spent the last half of last season with the Wizards again. So he had two stints. So was he part of the weird Celtics-Wizards beef when like, John Wall wasn't always hurt? He was on that team. So that would have been 2018, right? Yeah. He, he was one of the first guys off the bench, I'm pretty sure, on that team. A one... Yeah, well, you just, I think it was either 17 or 18. It was that range. For, yeah. I think it was 18, actually, now. I'm pretty sure, positive now, that it's 18. 
who was on that team? Um, they didn't go to U.S. college. They went from like. Um, I don't think so. Nope. Yeah, he didn't go to U.S. College. Wizards and Bulls is what I would know him as. Do you know his like country of origin? Yeah, he's Czech. Czech. Mm-hmm. So that narrows it down quite a bit. I don't think there's very many people that would work. But he. Zion uh, Mahimi's French in a center, and he was on those Wizards team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for position, like to explain his position a little bit more, he he's six seven two ten, but he has like point guard skills. So he's like a point forward kind of, but he's he plays gu- like guard positions a lot. Okay. So kind of like a Gordon Hayward. He's like a less good. But a point Europe. guardy Gordon Hayward, like a super point. Yeah, even more point guardy than Gordon Hayward is. What was his first year in the NBA again? Uh, two thousand seventeen. So sixteen seventeen. He just got out of the league this last year with the Wizards. Yeah. Bulls. He was drafted. I didn't tell you this. So he was drafted by the Wizards, but back in 2012. Oh, so that, okay. As the 32nd pick in the draft, which is a pretty high pick for a Eurostash player, especially for five years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which I'm sure they probably didn't know how long it would be at the time, but. I think I'm going to, like, you said Bulls, and I keep thinking Kurt Heinrich, but that is so far from right that it's not fun. (laughs) Um, because Kurt Heinrich, I think, is Kansas. And yeah, he, he went Czech. to Kansas. And he's not Czech, um, yeah. This guy, I think you would probably know him better with the Wizards than with the Bulls. I'm just, like, racking my brain, trying to think of, like, all the notable moments. Like, the backup point guard, like, that just guy that came off the bench for him. And that weird uh, Wizards, Isaiah Thomas, Celtics beef. Up, uh, I'll give you a hint, because I know this is really hard. You just said part of his name. I won't tell you how, like where Tomas you said Tomas Sadoransky. Yeah, there you go. Tomas Sadoransky. <laughs> oh, wow. That was rough. Yeah, no. if, if he would not have been on a Celtics-related thing, I would have been screwed. <laughs> There's no world I get that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a tough one. Apparently, he wore number 45 on the Spurs, but he, oh, wow. he was 31 everywhere else. I always remember him being 31. Yeah, hey, ready for your next one. Um, oh, wait. We haven't done nicknames at all, have we? Uh, well, I used the only nickname I had for the, the man with the golden arm or the boy with the golden oh, arm. Okay, and then... Um, so Hassan Whiteside was Agent Block, but he also had Count Blockula. Blockula. Yeah, Blockula. he's also that. Also, um, time for a Patreon commercial. I have to poop. <laughs> hey, just want to take a quick break from this episode so I could tell you guys about how I just launched my new Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's a great way for people to support creators with a monthly subscription. Becoming a Patreon supporter can even come with a few perks like early access to new episodes and getting special shout outs on the podcast. I've recently started working part time at my job so I can focus more time and energy on the podcast and YouTube channel. So any support would be massively appreciated and it helps me towards my hope of making this my full time job someday. So if you want to help support me in that, please head over to patreon.com slash hoop theory. That's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash hoop theory. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, now we are back. Uh, Jacob is done with his break. Um, and uh, Thomas Sa- Tomas Sadoransky's nickname that he has listed is Sadie. So there you oh. go. I am ready for mine now. Here we go. This is also a European player. Okay. They are six foot seven, 220 pounds. Okay. Uh, six foot seven, 220, European. 
and he's in the league, or is this another guy that the generator loves to give us? Out of the league in 2022. Yeah. the gen- It feels like the generator gives those more often than they don't. It's like a year behind. Yeah. Um, uh, Sviatoslav Mikhailuk. No. They wore the number seven for a big chunk of their career. Oh. Four of the six years of their career, they wore the number seven. Um, six, seven. So he is he like a more of a backcourt player, or was he like... Of wing. Wing. He was a wing. Six seven two twenty. Number seven. Man, again, I feel like this is like it's kind of clicking with me, but it's not like giving me a guy that I know like I can say his name. And it's not he had a short career, not necessarily because he was like already older when he started. He just he's only twenty eight right now. Okay. He's only twenty eight. Actually turned twenty uh eight on May 9th. So happy birthday to this individual. Um what so what was his draft? What is his draft information? Like where was he drafted? What year? 24th pick to the Philadelphia 76ers in the 2016 NBA. 2016. I Man, okay. Number seven on... So he wore number seven for the Sixers? He wore number 20 as a rookie and number seven the next year. And then he wore... Yeah. Huh. Uh, where where did he end his career? Where's the last place the, he played? The Hawks was the last team he was on the roster. And he was number seven there also? Number seven was started eighteen games for the Hawks last year. He started played fifty two games. Um, yeah, yeah, it's coming to my brain. Wait, oh, is this Vit Krejci? No, sir. He, I think he wore number seven on their team this year, and he's like, I feel like he would match almost exactly what you've described so far. Vit Krejci, or however you pronounce his name. He's okay. He's six eight, one ninety five. But, and this guy's Czech too. This um, guy's French. Yeah, I just meant from oh. Tomas. Oh, so this guy's French. Oh, yeah, I, okay. Uh, Timothy, you, oh, you already said that that he was, that French? He was French. Yeah, I opened up with that. I thought I, I just feel like I heard Euro, but uh, Timothy Lualu Cabarro. Maybe I did leave out to France. I can't remember. Yeah, but it is. That's what it is. Okay, awesome. That feels good. Uh, nicknames Timo or TLC. TLC. That's what I always used to call him on podcast because I didn't want to say Timothy Lualu Cabarro every time. It's also in the pronunciation down of basketball offense, Timote. Timote Lualu Cabarro. So you had everything. Timote. Timote, not mm. Timothy. Yeah. Like Timothy like, G- Mozgov. <laughs> um, Timothy. Yeah, Timothy with the F. This is, yeah, so Vit Cred. So it's Vit, apparently. Vit Krejci. Vit Krejci. Yeah. All right. Your next one is the hardest one so far, but he's kind of like among NBA podcast nerds and NBA nerd writers and stuff. He's kind of a meme. Killian Hayes. No, but in the same, same direction, because when he was a prospect, he was like, people talked about him as if he was, he could be like the next Giannis. Um, Utah Jazz. Uh, drafted by the Jazz. No. Small forward. Uh, Thing. I thought it was what's that guy that was out of Australia that ended up being terrible? Um, oh, Dante Exum. Dante Exum. Yeah, no, it's not him. But this guy was in the the draft right after Giannis. So he's the so sixteen draft. Fourteen, because Giannis 14. was thirteen draft. Yep. Okay. Um, and he was the twentieth pick in the draft to the Toronto Raptors. This was like the very very early days of the Raptors doing what they still continue to do, which is only get like six eight wings um which this guy's six nine to eighteen so yeah he fits that that toronto raptors-esque mold 
2014 draft. Is that the Wiggins draft? Uh, yes, that was Wiggins and Parker and Embiid. And Jokic, for that matter. So this guy was drafted over Jokic by 21 picks. <laughs> I can give okay. you more hints because this is it's hard. Uh, he's from Brazil, but he apparently... Bruno. Yep, Bruno Caboclo. Um, I was not going to get Caboclo. Yeah. If also, if you would not have said the podcast meme thing, there's no world I would have gotten that. Yeah, I, if I it thought wasn't it was... For like the, the, the podcast thing is the only, repeat, only reason that I yeah. got any kind of help. Yeah. So I, that, that one was handed to me on a platter, mm-hmm. like with all the hints. So thank you for that because yeah, there's I, no world. I knew that you it would be hard to do, so I figured I'd give you a lot. But yeah, I, yeah. I'm proud of you, though, for, for even getting it. This was the guy that I thought I said there was a chance you might not even even know who this person is. Like, I wasn't sure Uh-oh. if you did. Isn't, was it, is it Chris Vernon that liked him a lot? No, it was... Uh, it's one uh, of the ringer podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Rob Mahoney. I'm pretty sure yes. really liked him. And uh, okay. uh, Jonathan Charks, the guy Charks. who passed Charks. away. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he really liked him, too. Okay. I was like, I knew it was somebody in the ringer group mm-hmm. that I remember listening. Like, this is a while ago. Like, he hasn't came up recently as like a, remember Bruno? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but his nicknames, they don't have one on here. But I remember, at least on podcasts, one of his nicknames being the Gummy Bear or something like that, mm. which I think is an amazing nickname. But yeah, so there you go, Bruno Caboclo. Okay. Arguably, maybe the most prolific of all of the names we've said so far, or at least in theory. Of like the, the actual pro- name? No, or no, like no, no. the... The human. Oh, like, okay. Like their, their, their aspirations were by far, out of the names we've had today, like this the highest. 610-270. Okay, so he his aspirations or his achievements are higher than I'm trying to remember my guys. Um Wayne Ellington collegiately. Like like what he was going to supposed to be able to do coming into the league, he had the highest hopes. Oh. He was the best prospect, one could say. Out of is the this, names you've said so is far. Is this Enos Canner? This is not. Freedom. Oh uh, Enos yeah, Freedom. Okay, so he's 6'10", 270. Yeah, let me just stick with this. So uh, the other guy that I've had, so Wayne Ellington, and who was the last one? Tim TLC. Uh, TLC, okay. This guy collegiately was supposed to do very well. I don't think this is Greg Odin, because Greg Odin's taller than that. Uh, I would give them adjacent expectations. Really? That high? Like they were maybe a little bit less, but they were supposed to be like... Yeah. Like... Can you give me... Uh, was it pre two thousand sixteen or post draft? The draft. It was pre two thousand sixteen draft. Okay. Hmm. And this guy's not in. The, he's two seventy. That's the part that's throwing me off. Because I'm thinking of guys like Nerlens Noel. Oh, I thought he played. He, his last year was twenty twenty one. I thought it was twenty twenty two. That's fine. I still want to get this guy because it's enticing. He's. Could this be Joakim Noah? It is not Joakim Noah. Okay. Um. Can you give me also the? Also didn't realize. Yeah. His expectations were that high. Joakim Noah? Yeah. I was more just going... I, I wasn't sure about that either, about actual draft analysis of him, but I just know that he had a very good career at Florida. Florida. So, I was, yeah, I was going based off that and the the size thing. Um, so, can you give me the year he was drafted? He drafted? Yeah. 2015. 6'10", 27. Just go through the draft. 2015 draft, there's Cat, there's Willie Colley-Stein... Um, uh, Chris Stapps. This is like a big guy. 270. Do you remember the order? Not really. 2015. I mean, I know Devin Booker was a 13th pick. I know Cat was number one, wasn't he? Pretty sure. Um, I 
yeah, Cat was definitely number one. He's the number pick. Number, yeah. f- I think Chris Apps was number four. Mm-hmm. Between the two, he's between one and four. Mm-hmm. Can you give me the college conference? ACC. Oh, Julia o- Okafor. Julia Okafor. Dang it. Yep. Man, I remember him as a high school prospect because. He was crazy out of high school. And one of his teams that was, or one of his schools that was on his final uh, decision list was Nebraska for some reason. Oh. Yeah. It was like, it was like in his top 10 or so schools. Oh. So. So not quite close. But yeah. Kind of. But people made a big deal about it because it was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apparently he's still trying in the G League. He's in, oh, he's in the G League? Okay. He's still playing in the G League trying to get it figured out. Good for him. For the Delaware Blue Coats. Hmm. So the 76ers? Yep. Yeah. Where he was drafted to. Oh, wow. Full circle. They also acquired the returning player rights to Bruno Caboclo. <laughs> Caboclo. Cab- Caboclo. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Wow. They acquired that from trading him? Trading them from the Mexico City Capitanes. Mexico City has a team in the G League? I guess. That sounds crazy. Do they... Uh, they must like play up here a lot of times. Anyways, your next guy is a Hall of Famer. Pretty easy one. I don't know what to give you first. The college might give it away because it's kind of obscure, but again, I don't know if you'll know where he went to school or not off the top of your head. What I will give you is he was the 15th pick in the... I don't want to tell you the draft. I I, I will because I've already kind of given way too much about it. 15th pick in the 96th draft. So, like, one of the most loaded draft classes ever. You like a Kobe draft? Yep. Kobe and AI. Blah, blah, blah. Gary Payton. No, that's all mm-hmm. Tony Parker? Nope. My next hint should probably be... He played for three teams in his career. Oh, Hall of Famer. Three teams in his career. Marcus Camby? No, he was the next draft. I don't know which draft Marcus Camby was in off the top of my head. Well, maybe Marcus, Marcus, oh, so it's not Marcus Campbell. No, it's not. This, I'll give you that this guy is a guard. Three teams. Mm-hmm. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018. Oh, shoot. Okay. Um, guard, hard guard, like not a debate. Oh, yeah, not a debate. Um. One of the best guards of all time. Was he ever league MVP? I declined to answer that one. So it's either yes or he did it a bunch of times. It's either no or he did it a bunch of times. So looking at the bunch of time side, it's not Kobe. Kobe's draft, though. That's Dirt, Stephen Nash. Yep, Steve Nash. Stephen John Nash, a.k.a. MV Steve. Wait, two- was Dirk even in that draft? Or was he the no, Dirk was tw- 98. It was two years later. He was after. Yeah. His, it was the Suns, the Mavs. Who was his third team? The Lakers. Last two years. Oh, stu- I'm stupid. Uh, so he was... Uh, what were they going to say? Oh, yeah, he's from South Africa. I thought that would also give it away. Well, he's that, that was where he's born. He's known for being Canadian. Canadian, yeah, as his, like, nationality, but it, he was born in South Africa. And he went to Santa Clara for college. So I don't know. I didn't know if any of that would give it away. The Santa Clara banana slugs? But, I, oh, the other nickname I haven't said yet is Nashty, which is pretty Nashty. good. Nashty. Nashty. Yeah. One of my last hints was going to be that he was fired as a head coach in this NBA season. Oh, that would have helped. Okay. The random, I kept randomizing until it gave me a Hall of Famer, <laughs> and it's not that hard. Okay. Six seven two thirty five from Oakland, California. From Oakland, California. Oh, Paul Pierce. 
Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to give okay. you the nicknames. Yeah, okay. P-Double or The Truth. I guess I didn't know he was from Oakland, but I knew... I. He's went to Englewood. Okay, I knew he was a... I knew he was a... Um, Lakers fan when he was a kid. Oh, so that's that's what I went based off of because he he like hated the Celtics when he was a kid. Oh, uh, that's where he went. Yeah, arguably is it the guy that uses one championship to bolster his reputation more than anybody else on the planet? Kendrick Perkins. That's disrespectful. Because Paul per- like Paul Pierce earned that championship or was a huge part of it. Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. Was just I mean, he was, he was Finals run. MVP. Paul Pierce. Yeah, like yeah, Paul Perkins. I mean, Kendrick Perkins just kind of was along for the ride. Yeah. But in terms of like stars, like yeah, who I I don't think Paul Pierce makes the Hall of Fame without without that championship. Do you? Ten time All Star, maybe four time All NBA. Yeah, he would All Rookie, seventy fifth anniversary. So, but like two of his accolades are the NBA champ and the Finals MVP. And but the top, I guess I top seventy five. I feel like would be a stretch for him to get if he didn't win the title. Yes, that's very fair. Because I don't think. Was I don't think Vince was top seventy five. Okay, this is interesting. Is Paul Pierce's ring more important than the Celtics ring for Ray Allen or KG in terms of their legacies? I feel like it might be. It's more important than Ray Allen's for sure. KG though, but KG. I feel like KG is more. It's more important because KG is like his own thing. Yeah, I was gonna say even though he didn't win a title in Minnesota, he's still like looked at as one of the best ever. Like because like if if. If Timothy Duncan didn't exist, yeah. it's like undisputed mm-hmm. the best four. Yeah. And uh, at the bare minimum the past 20 years, 30 years. And like he did so much with a terrible Nothing. team. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think that might be true. It did really help Paul Pierce's career. Remember the uh, Game of Zones show that yes. used to be on YouTube that had, had yeah, Paul Pierce the... as the goat? Yeah. <laughs> All right, and so we'll leave you with that. I forgot that they made Paul Pierce the goat in that show. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Because he's in a wheelchair because he can't walk. Yeah, because they they're having this big debate on who should be the goat, and then he he like offers himself as as the goat, and everybody's laughing. But yeah. then like the person that makes the decisions, like name a better story than <laughs> Paul Pierce. Yeah. All right. Well, we have been going for quite a while. Uh, yes. So we will leave you guys now with, to finish out the rest of your day, however you would like. And yeah, so we, we're going to thank you guys for listening very much. Uh, please join the Patreon if you don't mind. And yeah, I will see you guys next episode. Peace.